The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs, and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch, and I'm a retired police supervisor, and now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner is Dr. Lauren Murfield. He's a former college professor who now works with business leaders, small and large, to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're Doc and the Cop, and we're here to help you think bigger, reach higher, and do what you never thought possible in order to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. And it says we're live, so we must be live. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. I'm Pat Lynch, your host for Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that takes a look at business ups, downs, and challenges during uh, what we're trying to figure out, whether it's the new normal, the next normal, you, you name it. Uh, I spent my career in law enforcement, and then I moved over to, to helping real estate agents be the best version of themselves possible. I'm here with my co-host, cohort, uh, Dr. Lauren Murfield. He spent a, a, a career uh, as a, a college professor, and now he helps business leaders, small and large, do things they never thought impossible. Say hello, Dolly. I mean, Doc. Hello, Doc. Doc. Ah. And hello to everybody else. This is good. It's good to be back. And, uh, you know, Pat, I'm starting to think this isn't the new normal. This is the new abnormal. (laughs) I like that, Doc, the new abnormal. It it sounds so much better than the next normal, the new normal. I mean, literally, it's a new normal every day. You you read a different study that came out that says this, that, that. and And, you know, something to go along with that. And if you look back at what we did last week, wow, did we have a good week. We had John Nelson, an 81-year-old man, a good friend of ours, that's hiking the Appalachian Trail in segments, 30 days at a time, and almost every time sleeping in a hammock. He's not opting for a hotel. Amazing guy. And then Equally amazing, on Thursday, we had Debbie Lundberg, who we've uh, got a program coming up that we have, we aired one live, and then Debbie was kind enough to record another one that we will be broadcasting on August 6th, same day that she will donate a kidney. Wow. Wow. And it was not to a family member, but it was actually to an acquaintance. Just phenomenal things. And so we are in a day and age of crazy things happening. Sandy Drew is here today, and we'll be getting to her in just a minute. And then next week, um, no, Thursday, we're going to be talking about three questions that will change your world, that it's key to going forward. But before we go to that, Pat, tell us about this other podcast that I'm hearing about. Oh, it is blowing up on Apple uh, Podcasts. It is called, believe it or not, hold on, Holy Crap, How'd They Do That? And it's a show that looks at disruptive thinking. Each week, Doc and I, new episode every Friday around noon, and uh, we, we explore uh, all the different uh, disruptive thinking. We go, we've been all the way back to Da Vinci, all the way up into SpaceX and, and getting getting. Uh, uh, the boring tunnel, uh, you name it. Uh, there's so many uh, variables uh, that make up good disruptive thinking, and we break those down and uh, and and uh, leave you with a challenge each time. Make sure you listen and uh, don't forget to follow and like, share, to uh, send up smoke signals, uh, skywriting. Uh, I hear people talking about getting a tattoo. Okay, I may have started that rumor, but you know people are doing it, and uh, so. Anywho, it's called Holy Crap, How'd They Do That, wherever you listen to podcasts. And, you know, being the guy that's versed in language, the language to create and destroy is what what I wrote my dissertation on. You know, the words holy crap kind of equate with another three letter word that I would say is wow. And, you know, when I think of wow, I think of one person. Somebody I met in National Speaker Association about 10 years ago, been friends since, heard her speak, watched what she does, read her book, and the bottom line is wow. Uh, 
and, and got to got to introduce somebody who's in wow, right, Pat? Absolutely. Well, you know, and, I, and I'm going to ask her about her book. And Doc, you make a really good parallel because the name of her book is Turn Your Workplace Into a Wow Place. Could you imagine turn your workplace into a holy crap place? And notice it just doesn't have that uh, je ne sais quoi. Not, not, well, there's two myths. In fact, the subtitle is Five Rules for Going from Ow to Wow. There's now that's disruptive. Many, that's there's disruptive too many thinking. places that she's trying to work with that the employees are saying, Holy crap, I got to work with that. So without any further ado, Sandy Drew, welcome. Thank you so much for that. My goodness. Uh, you know, I think the next edition of my book might have to have a subtitle of going from holy crap to wow. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Uh, well, thank you for the great introduction, guys. I am so thrilled to be here today. It's really, I love disruptive thinking. I love um, the fact that we have to adjust. It, it just keeps us so nimble and, and it's either adjust or die, right? So you you have to do it. Absolutely. And yeah. Sandy, give us a little background. You weren't always a professional speaker. How did you get to that point? Because I know there's some people thinking, even though they don't know the job market right now for public speaking, but um, <laughs> I know a lot of people say, I'd like to do public speaking for pay. How did you get to that point? Well, I took a very long and circuitous route to that point. I, I spent about 20 years in the corporate world, uh, even at some at one point in there for a period of about four years, I, my mom and I had started our own company. Uh, we saw a trend happening when word processing first came out, and she and I developed a desktop publishing business where we would help people with those kinds of things before it became commonplace to have a laptop. Uh, from that corporate world, I went into real estate, and I became a top producer in Rhode Island and Massachusetts within five years, and that is how I got into speaking because my coach had started asking me to speak on his top producer panels. And through that process, we discovered that number one, I loved speaking and training and helping other people. And they seemed to connect with how I spoke and what I said. And so I joined him in business. Uh, within one year, the business partnership was dead because you know, just you don't know people till you get into business with them. But by that point, I had 40 coaching clients. I loved the speaking and training and I decided, well, I'm here to stay unless it doesn't work. Well. 20 years later, I'm still here and COVID-19 is trying not to make it work, but I'm flexing again. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that today, but that's how I got into it. And it sounds like Sandy, it sounds like a whole lot of your life has been bending to the trends. Oh my goodness. It really has. You know, I never thought about it until you guys talked to me about this. And I was thinking, wow, how many times have I done this? And it really is. If you don't recognize the trend and you don't start capitalizing on it and figuring out where your talents can work with it and how you can bend as it goes, you know, you just forget about it. And I don't know what you would do. You maybe just go into a position where you're not really fulfilled and satisfied. And that's one of the reasons why I started in real estate training, but I, I moved to the corporate environment because I knew that there are so many people who really want to make a difference in that environment and they're not getting the chance to. So the book, the, the speeches, the training, all of that is designed to help leaders and customer service teams and administrative professionals just work better together and be able to create wows for each other. And you've spoken not only across the country but wasn't it south africa just a year or two ago yeah, this past february i was in south africa last year i was spoke, speaking in the bahamas before that i spoke in london and um and those were physically in those places but i've also been in uh you know streamed video conference to 41 countries around the world so it's, wow. it's exciting very exciting that's pretty amazing, Sandy. So uh, before we came on the air today, we were talking and you had, um, did you have eight plane tickets or what was it? There was a number, the eight was involved. Yeah, the eight, unfortunately, wasn't the number of plane tickets. It was many more plane tickets that day. It was $8,000 worth of plane tickets that had to get canceled when COVID-19 hit. And, uh, and that was just on one credit card bill that came in as I had to keep canceling all my programs when they were canceling, you know, in-person conferences. And the airlines, they're doing the best they can. They're extending the time for you to use it and giving you credits for up to two years. 
uh, no penalties, no change fees, unless, you know, there's a change in the fare because you're changing places. But the problem is, you know, they don't reimburse you if you voluntarily change your ticket. If you, if they, you get impacted by a, an itinerary change of theirs or a cancellation, they give you your money back. But <clears throat> unfortunately, I had to cancel my own plane tickets, which they considered voluntary, and you don't get your money back for that. You get airline credit. So I have thousands and thousands of dollars of airline credits that I can use in the next two years when people start traveling again. But my credit card bills hit now, and it was a little tough saying, woohoo, look at all these thousands of dollars of bills I have, and I have to pay with no income coming in. But, you know, luckily, I'm very frugal. My husband and I have always been frugal. We've been married over 37 years. And so we have the resources to be able to last this out. And that's what you have to do. Plan for the future. Don't put your life on hold today. <clears throat> you know, we've enjoyed a great life, but don't overextend either. I know so many people who just as soon as they earn it, boom, it's out the door and they're buying every toy under the sun and they're acting as though it's always going to last. And Unfortunately, you need to just think about how do I enjoy today, make a great life for myself, but also put some away in case something happens so I can continue to have that great life if things change. So Sandy, take us through the timeline um, of what was happening with you. You're, you know, here in February, you're over, you know, you're in South Africa, you're doing all this wonderful stuff. Yeah. Did you have an inkling at that time that the virus was coming or... Had oh, we, yeah. To cancel. What was going on? Yeah, no one had started to cancel that at that point. I, I left the United States in the middle of February and we came back on March 1st. So we hadn't had any cancellations yet. But as we were coming home and we were coming through, especially the airport in Germany, they started asking us questions about whether we'd been exposed. They started talking about, uh, they weren't taking our temperatures yet, but we were reading things where a lot of people were getting their temperatures taken, but there was a big screening process going on. And if anybody was coughing or anything like that, pulled out of the lines and questioned highly. So we said, uh oh, okay, this is not just confined to China, like it originally thought, and it's getting everywhere in the world. And then by the time I got home on March 1st, and I think a week and a half had passed, call after call after call after email with, I'm so sorry, but we've had to make the difficult you know, decision to cancel our conference. And several people were saying, I, you know, I'm so sorry. And, and I would say, that's all right. I understand other people are doing it. And they'd come back with, oh, thank goodness we're not the only ones. Because they were thought at first, we're the only ones making this tough decision. They hadn't seen the big amount of people doing it yet. And they were really nervous that they were overreacting, but they were appropriately reacting. And all of us are just working together. Um, many of them, instead of canceling, just postponed. So I have some, one that was postponed to this week that now just got postponed again to next year. Um, it was gonna be virtual this week, but they're even having difficulty. People, it's so funny they really want to make a difference and do things differently in their jobs, but they were afraid to go to even a virtual conference because they've never done that before. And it kind of gives them a little snapshot into the psyche of their leaders who are hesitant to let them try new things. I talk to staff members all the time about, don't be afraid to try new suggestions, but if you get the no at first, don't worry about it. Come back. That's, that's a great objection that will tell you how to overcome it and come back with a better plan next time. And you may have to come back several times. You know, you're, if, if it's a big new idea, you're a trailblazer. And what trailblazer ever got an easy yes? But I think, you know, they get frustrated sometimes. And I think this gives them a little snapshot into, ooh, I'm even hesitant to try something new. So maybe they can be more understanding when they're trying to get their leaders to try new things. But I think so the opportunity is that COVID has taught us just how flexible we all can be, leaders and staff members alike. If you're a business leader and you want to do what you never thought possible, connect with Dr. Murfield at murfieldcoaching.com. That's murfieldcoaching.com. I think that's probably one of the best points that's ever been brought up on our show, Doc, is, is how much, because one of the things, again, we're, we'll, we'll talk through it, but, you know, we talk about trends, bends, and opportunities, and, you know, we're always looking for that silver lining, and the fact that, like you said, that, that COVID has taught us, that, you know what, we can do Zoom meetings, 
You know, we can yeah. do job interviews via Zoom. We can we can do uh, job pan. You know, we can do hiring panels. We can do all sorts of things. You we know, can do, do conferences and training. Yeah, we're doing county commission meetings. Uh, my doc, I have two doctor's appointments on Thursday. Both of them are via Teams, which is a Microsoft product. I'm not plugging for them, but uh, um, that's just who, who uh, USF Health happens to use, and that's where my doctors are from. Um, but three months ago, if you'd asked them for a televisit, they would have laughed you out of there. Yep. And, and telemedicine, and we did that, did an episode on telemedicine, um, and telemedicine's been around 150 years, if you didn't know that. Wow. Uh, telemedicine goes all the way back to the Civil War times, and, um, and, and communicating via telegram. Could you imagine getting a telegram on how to sever a leg or, <laughs> you know, mend an artery or whatever it is that they were doing back then. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of the things that it's taught us is that we can, we can think outside that box that we're stuck in every day. Yeah. And, and several people who I've, you know, have been working with many people I've been working with over the years have, have been asking forever for a more flexible work environment. Can I work from home even a day or two? And, you know, companies have been, no, you have to be in the office. You can't do your job. And now, boom, all of a sudden now those same companies are even considering keeping them at home even after all this is over. So the whole thing is shifting. Isn't that amazing? My brother works for a, for a large uh, bank, I uh, won't name them, um, but there's a, they have a couple hundred people in his unit and they had tried a work from home thing and scrapped it like six months ago. Wow. And it just was unsuccessful in their eyes. And then, you know, two months later, they'll like, get out. <laughs> you know, Go back like, to that thing. We'll make it work. <laughs> you know, and you know, one day it was, you know, a survey of what equipment you had available at home and what technology you had for like getting online. And then the next, you know, a week later, it was like, here's your laptop and, you know, here's your, here's your headset and here's everything. And what, oh. how nimble we can be when we want to be or when we have to be. Right, right. And well, I, Sam, I think that's it. Yeah, when we have to be. Sorry, Sam, Sandy. So people understand the bend that you had to do. Yeah. Um, explain how the profession, how public speakers work, because you said you had eight thousand dollars in in credit cards, and I'm sure a lot of people said, "Well, if they pay you to come and speak, they pick up all the tabs, or they do this, or they do that." It's not quite the way it works, is it? <laughs> well, no. I mean, there are there are many different models that you can use. The, the model that I use is that I ask for 50% upfront, and that does help pay for some of those. Uh, and then you don't get the rest, though, until after the program. Uh, there are other models. Sometimes if I work, especially with a government agency, they don't do anything up front. You get nothing, no pay up front. You get paid after the program is over and successfully delivered. So all of the, the expenses come out of your pocket until after the program when you get reimbursed. Then there are other people who will do an all-inclusive and because some organizations don't want to know that the travel expenses could be what they'll either put a cap or People, other people just say, you know what, I don't want to have to list every meal, every cab ride, every everything. It's too much work. So they just do an all-inclusive price. So then you're getting all of that coming out of your pocket. But of course, you know, you may get 50% up front or you may not, and you don't get that until the program is done. But, you know, when, when you do this and you're stacking up all these things, you're going from place to place to place. And so the money that you're getting is a con in constant flux. So it's all going towards, all the, the expenses are very high. You know, sometimes I'll work with um, certain people who just don't understand, you know, why is your keynote fee what it is? Well, you know, I mean, uh, I, I would never charge, you know, anything like that to, to, you know, come and do a one hour thing. I don't get that much per hour. Oh my gosh. I heard a great speaker say one time, okay, so think of it this way. You're not paying me for the keynote, the hour, the keynote's free. You're paying me for my 30 years of experience that I'm bringing to the keynote to add value to your organization. Absolutely. Well, and this weekend, my air conditioner stopped working. So I called the AC guy, $140 just to get him to come out on a Saturday. No big deal. And then literally he was at, the, at, at our condo, literally five minutes. 
and he replaced the part and was on his. It took him longer to charge me the $185 than or $189, whatever it was, than it did to replace the part. Yeah. And 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 I was telling a friend, and he's like, Oh, what a ripoff. That's a $10 part. I'm like, well, okay, maybe it is a $10 part, but I don't have access to that part because I'm not an air conditioner repairman, so I can't get it at, at air conditioner repairman prices. And then also, I didn't know how to test to see what that part was. He knew exactly where to look, what to do. I paid him $140, yes, for his time, but for his knowledge and his experience. That's what you're paying for. You're not right? paying for the time. You can't think of it. As, this is not an hourly position. And his is not an hourly position. He basically charges you because, okay, this is what my expertise, I have to get out there. I have to run my business. But basically you're paying him, yeah, to come out there, but it's for his expertise, not his time. He could live an hour away or he could live half an hour away and or five minutes away. And it, it's what he does for you when he gets there. That it works the for. same way with your doctor. You know, a cardiologist yeah. probably makes four or $500,000 a year. Yeah. That's because when they, when they look at your chart or they listen to your heart or whatever, they look at a test result, they know what to do with it. Right. Because of and their you training trust them. and their experience and you trust them and you pay them for that. And, and you certainly wouldn't want to pay somebody their value <laughs> because it, the, the rates would fluctuate way too much. Right. <laughs> And you would never just look for the cheapest heart surgeon you could get. Let me go to heart surgery is us, you know? <laughs> oh, I can get that same thing that I'll pay, you know, $10,000 for over here and I can get it for 25 bucks. Oh yeah, I'll open up my heart. heart. You know? <laughs> so. I'll fix any heart, $29.99. <laughs> Gosh, I know. So it's really, you know, everybody really needs to think about, and then, you know, we're getting asked questions like, you know, will you do the keynote or the whatever for less because you don't have to travel? Well, the content is still the same. So many of us speakers are having to discuss this with our clients to help them realize the content, the value that you're getting is the same. And yes, I don't have to travel, but it, it, the good benefit for them is also they don't have to pay the travel expenses. So hopefully they can still keep the keynote fee where it should be. It will draw and attract and provide value for their attendees. And everybody wins because this is my, this is my expertise, my intellectual property and the way I deliver it is going to be, you know, the way you know that I can do. If it's a repeat client, I have less trouble talking to them about that because they know who I am and, and how I do things. But sometimes we're having those conversations now where they're trying to feel like, well, it should be less because you're doing it virtually. It, you know, it, it takes longer now to create a virtual presentation because you've got to add all the technological engagement and polls and all kinds of stuff strange stuff that you never had to do before because you did it in person. So it takes longer to create a virtual presentation now than it did for any in-person one. And so it's up to us to educate our clients as to what we're really delivering for them, the value that it adds, and you know the fact that it's not just, oh, I'm taking what I did in person and translating that and saving a lot of money traveling and time. Well, it's I'm definitely, sure it's, it's presenting your value, like back in your days in real estate, yeah. you know, yeah. people will say that all the time. It's, it's like, that's right. you know, it's, it, there's a value though. That's right. There is a value. And yeah. I'm sure it's that the knowledge the, and the expertise that you're paying for. Yeah. I'm sure the executives and the managers will take less money now that they're managing virtually, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was in uh, real estate and I became a top producer, one of the things that I, when I got my mind wrapped around the fact that, hey, you know what, I, I, I do things a lot differently. I, I became a top producer within three years and most people never even break a six figure income in the, in the real estate industry. Uh, back a, a little while back, they don't even break a six figure income in 20 years and I did it in three. And it was because I really pay attention to my customers and my, and my clients. But here's the thing, you have to get your head wrapped around the fact that you do add this value. And uh, one of the things somebody said to me that kind of equates to this is, well, you know, um, if you list my house and it doesn't take a long time to sell, then will you lower your commission because it didn't take very long? You'd have to do a whole lot of marketing. And I said, well, no, the commission is the commission. And just as I wouldn't charge you any more if it took longer to sell than we expected, 
I also don't take less if it takes less time. That's just the commission for doing my job and I will do it the quickest and best way for you possible. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, don't charge me more if it takes longer, you know? So they, they understood though, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, okay, it's just a set fee. I don't get paid unless I do the job, you know? I mean, as a traditional realtor, I know some of the online companies take money up front, whether or not they're successful in selling the home, which I used as a differentiation point for me. I don't get my money unless I'm successful for you. So, uh, you know, it really is. It's been around forever. The price objection has been here forever. You just have to remember the value that you provide and you're good for some people and you're not good for others and your peeps will understand and pay you what you're worth. Exactly. And always you have in real estate, you have the seller wants the most money for their house. The buyer wants to pay the least. Right. right? And nobody wants to pay the realtors. <laughs> right. Exactly. And nobody wants to pay anybody else. Um, you know, but, but the last time I checked, you know, Apple has one price for their phone and they have a, they have the, the, the Saturn, remember the Saturn cars, they, it's, ah, they didn't quite use this term, but I like to call it, take it or leave it, <laughs> right? <laughs> they had set pricing on their cars. Yeah. It, it is essentially a take it or leave it. They're saying, look, this is what we've determined our value. We're not going to tell you the suggested retails 40,000, but you can buy it for eight grand. Yeah. We're going to tell you it's eight grand, take it or leave it. Right, right. You know? And if you appreciate the value it has to offer, then you take it. Yeah. If you're a Florida real estate agent and you are looking to stand out above the rest, check out Momentum Real Estate at winmomentum.com. That's W-I-N momentum.com. When you're in, in front of an audience, you get the immediate feedback. It, it is a totally different energy. Yes. So how do you bend? Oh, there's so many different ways. I know you talked <laughs> about technology, but also psychologically, how do you have to bend to do your job to provide that same value, knowing the other people have all that mayor, all that, um, the many distractions that we have working virtually from our home office or from the kitchen table or wherever we're working. Right. Um, what, what kind of bends um, do you do? Well, for me, uh, you can probably tell I've got quite a bit of energy <clears throat> that's I in person. That. I, yeah, yeah, I know most people say they don't notice that. <laughs> it's the wine, Pat. It's the wine. That's <laughs> the wine. Um, but uh, so first of all, I, I'm very lucky. I'm blessed to be naturally energetic and enthusiastic and passionate. So that comes out. And I'm Italian besides. My maiden name is Petorelli, and that is 100% Italian. So my married name is Giroux. My husband is, you know, like very quiet and shy and reserved. In fact, he told me when he married me that the biggest adjustment he had to make in marrying me was to get used to the decibel level in my family's home. <laughs> so, you know, but, but I'm very lucky to be very energetic and I'm very passionate about what I do. So I, I've had to practice many times and many hours in front of the camera to me, make sure that I'm not becoming the stiff robot who just sits there like this and does this and becomes monotone. You know, who wants to listen to that? So I just remain my animated self. So one thing is the animation. The second thing is I shorten the stories, I shorten the points, and I add more stories to be able to engage them. So I make sure that the story has a really great oomph factor, <clears throat> and then I show them how they can apply it to their position. The third thing is I imagine my audience on the other side. And I know not everybody maybe can do that, or maybe they can and haven't really talked about it, but they say it's difficult sometimes, but I, I don't find it difficult because I'm so excited about what I have to share that I imagine the way they would be reacting to it and feeling toward it. And the nice thing too, is when you get something where you can see the comments, if you're making a really good point or you're uh, really hitting them somehow, it shows up in the comments. So I kind of glance at those as well. Uh, the other thing is I put in unique and unusual things. Uh, like for example, I'm, I'm a singer. So I do songs and song parodies. So if you've ever heard Shania Twain's song, Man, I Feel Like a Woman, I don't know if you've ever heard that. Well, I do 
for my administrative audience, I do men, I feel administrative. <laughs> I do a parody all about, I was an administrative professional for almost 20 years. And so I know their joys and their, their fears and all that. I also do men, I feel like uh, a realtor. Men, I feel like a broker. Oh, men, I feel underwritten for health underwriters. So I put unique and fun things and they're all telling me, I saw one comment in the chat that said, Man, I, I, I went away for one minute because it was a big two-day thing and I was one speaker on it. And they, they put the comment out on social media. I went away for one minute to make a sandwich and I came back and 200 administrative professionals are dancing all around the world because Sandy Giroux was singing. <laughs> it's like, ah, yay. And so you have to think of things that will grab them. So I have polls, I have music. I have stories, I, I stay high energy and animated. I look at the chat for the, the visual feedback that I can't get from a live audience. And for me, the excitement is just so there because I'm able to just give them everything I've got. And that's what I got into this business for. So that's how I-, I I'm, I'm thinking, uh, man, I feel like, holy crap, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I'm feeling one. disruptive. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. That other Maybe one. That that one. What's yeah. that, Lauren? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let that one go. He's not going to say it. Sandy, <laughs> it, I'm doing I'm my just, job when I can make Doc speechless. Oh, my goodness. I, I've just, never seen that. <laughs> I, I'm just worried about, holy crap, Pat's decided he's going to sing. <laughs> No. I can't wait to see your next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking oh. about a theme song, but I'm thinking I'm not going to be the performer. <laughs> uh, no, Sandy, that, that sounds phenomenal. Um, how have you found um, the organizations to work with in the, in the idea of what have you had to bend to, uh, to make the connections? Because... I know a lot of people think, oh, well, I can present on Zoom. That's no big deal. You know, I don't even have to wear pants, you know? <laughs> oh, we saw how well that worked out for that newscaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and a you know, number of other situations. <laughs> By the way, my, my niece is up in, uh, I think, in Brooklyn, and they've been doing teaching, and she's a uh, speech pathologist. And she says it was funny because she was working with a uh, student and her little sister came walking into the bedroom naked after a bath. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny. Okay, well, you know, and that's the when, nature of things now, right? Yeah. That happened to my sister and her staff on a, on a Zoom meeting. One of them's little three-year-old ran by naked in the camera view. Like, oh, well, they had a good laugh. You know, I'm finding that organizations are really understanding because everybody's going through the same thing, trying to uh, figure this out. However, if you propose a presentation and you don't deliver because you don't know the technology and you're trying to charge them for what you would have in person, that is not going to fly. I mean, first of all, you're doing your client an incredible disservice. So if you want to do anything virtually, you need to master the technology and master yourself before you even try to offer that because that will bite you in a heartbeat. And it hurts your clients. It doesn't serve anyone. What I've done <clears throat> is when this first started, I knew that my administrative professionals especially had had their conferences canceled. And, and a lot of times that's the only thing they get all year, around, right around administrative professionals week or even you know different times. But once a year they get something and their something was canceled. Sometimes it was the conference I was going to be speaking at. So I decided to, I was hearing from a lot of administrative professionals because I still kept in touch with them. And I decided to offer free webinars, a one hour webinar for education and inspiration on how to remain relevant because a lot of them are getting cut out of the loop by their leaders who are just kind of going around them because they're not in the office. And giving them great ideas to remain relevant and help the, at a higher level. And so I put the song parody at the beginning. We put content in the middle. I did a Q&A, a live coaching session at the end. And then I had a beautiful, inspiring song. And if I had pictures of them, they could send me. I put that in the presentation. They are loving that because they're saying, thank you for giving us something. And I, I didn't charge them, um, but just wanted to serve. And 
I'm telling you, one of them already, because I did that, I spoke at their conference for a keynote last year in person. And normally they don't bring the same person back twice, I don't think. But I just got an email from them asking, saying we're probably going virtual in October. They just saw how I was on the webinar and they wanted to talk to me about a proposal for a virtual keynote in October. So, you know, when you just give from your heart, I didn't have any expectation I'd be speaking to them again. But boy, it, it turned out beautifully for both of us, I'm hoping, you know, and I've got a proposal out to them. So we'll just see what one, happens. One warning to all those people listening, when Sandy says that she does a, a uh, song parody, you're also paying some fees to be able to do that, correct? Well, here's the thing with song parodies. Um, if it's truly a parody, or satire, you don't have to pay royalties unless you use somebody else's background track. But I paid a lot of money to go into a studio and create my own music because the parody words don't mirror the other words. You know, there's only a few words at a time that are the same. You're okay with parody and satire. Um, however, the serious songs, I do have agreements with both of the composers and lyricists and the people who provided the background tracks that I did have to pay royalties to, to be able to, to play those. So yeah, you have to be really careful that you're not breaking any royalty rules, but I have agreements for them and the parodies are okay. <clears throat> but thank you for mentioning that. So, so Sandy, we've been talking about trends and bends and some opportunities, but is there any other specific opportunities that this whole COVID mess has <laughs> presented? Well, actually, it's, it's amazing. Yes, for the last couple of years especially, I have been getting extremely tired. I mean, I was doing 53, 55 engagements a year. I don't know how some of these speakers do 100 and 200 in a year. They, they must be never home. I, I had a seven week period last year when I think I was home three days. And I, for the last couple of years, especially have been saying, how do I get out of this? I mean, I'm in this pattern now, right? I do the in-person conferences. That's what I do. People aren't you know, paying whatever for the webinars. And yet the opportunities that are presenting themselves now are the opportunity for me to be able to change my business to a more virtual one. So I can still serve, but I can do it virtually. I can stay home with my husband, especially since he's having a lot of health issues lately. Um, and I want to be here with him. And unbelievably, I got a business coach to help me with my strategy to do this. He has been tremendous. And I've been prospecting new clients. My virtual assistant is helping me with that. So we've got a system in our CRM where we're reaching out to new people. And I will tell you that just in the last couple of months, which is the only, you know, the only time we've been doing this, I've already put out one proposal for a consulting contract that is bigger than my entire salary last year. And most of it is virtual because they can see that and hopefully that will close. But I've got now at least half a dozen opportunities with other people for consulting and training contracts that with huge companies that I never would have had if I weren't forced to think about how do I do this and make sure I keep my income intact as well. sure to like, follow, and share us wherever you're tuned in today. This has provided me, I believe, with the answer to my prayers for the last two years of how in the world do I get out of this constant travel and get back home with my husband without losing income. So, so Doc, see, Sandy's from the North, so she knows what I mean when I say snow day. Yes, I do. Oh, just a minute. She. Oh, oh wait a minute. All right. This like I, <laughs> I got it. Took me a second to catch on. <laughs> Clearly, Sandy has not been treating this like a snow day. And and you know what a snow day is, Sandy. You're from up north. We call them hurricane days for, for us Florid yeah. people who call ourselves Floridians now. Yep. But it's where you sit at home and, and you know stay under the covers and watch Netflix and, and do nothing. Right. Because you can't really do anything because everything's closed down. You can't get anywhere. You can't, there's no place to go if you could go there. And right. it's just a snow day. So you just kind of uh, pretend it's a do-over day, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a free resting day, you know. And sometimes you couldn't even watch TV because back in the day when I was up in the north, we'd lose our power. So yeah, here nothing. we are. We get the candles out and the flashlights and build a fire in the fireplace. And 
But so many people have been treating this virus like a snow day since March. Yes. Yes. And you, know, and you have, can't do that in business. I have, you know, close to 40 agents that work for me in my real estate company. And, you know, some of them I don't think have left the house in months. Mm. It certainly sounds like it. They haven't made a phone call to any of their past clients to find out how they're doing, you know, to see if there's any, anyone they can put them in contact with. There's so many safe things that people could be doing, like, yep. like, you, like you, reaching out, finding, prospecting, the, something you wouldn't have had time to do, which is, which is a cyclical problem in everybody's business, is finding yep. time to prospect. And, and one of the top agents that I used to work with, she would talk about how, she, you know, she get busy. We're all, we get busy, we get fat and happy. And then all of a sudden that business dries up and now we got to play catch up. Yep. Instead of the sales roller coaster. Getting our schedule right. Trying, yeah. Talk about trying to flatten the curve. That's what we try to teach our agents to do every day. We're not talking about coronavirus. We're talking about the peaks and valleys of being a poor agent to rich agent, poor agent, rich agent. Right. And one of the things that I did, even when I was a realtor, was, you know, a lot of people would say, I would look at what people weren't doing and I would do it. For example, advertising on a holiday weekend in the Sunday paper when everybody was reading the papers, right? So I would put an ad in and people were like, why are you doing that? They're not going to read the paper on a, on a holiday weekend. And I said, no, but I believe that they will save the paper and read it on Tuesday when they get back. And sure enough, and I figured too, if I'm the, if everybody's saying I'm not going to advertise on a holiday weekend, my ads will be the only ones there. They'll stand out and make me look like a, a you know, a goddess. And sure enough, my ads were in there. I had so many phone calls on the Tuesday after a holiday weekend just because nobody else was, oh, they're not gonna read it on Sunday. Well, no, but let me test this and see if they'll read it on Tuesday. And psh, one of the secrets to my business, do something where everybody else is saying, oh, you know, I'm not gonna do that. Nobody's gonna do that. Fine, you don't, I'll do it. And it we've, worked. We've heard, uh, and I think you were probably at the same presentation I was when we heard zig when they zag. Oh, zig, zig when they zag. Exactly. That's what you have to do. <laughs> There's the yeah. trend and the bend and the opportunities that it creates. And that's, so. that's where the opportunities come is when you, yeah. when, when you find where nobody's at. You're swimming right. in the blue ocean strategy, that one book, yep. instead of the red bloody ocean. Love and that book. It's just crazy to see people sitting there, Pat, when you talk about them not going out of the house, I picture them in, I don't know, maybe slippers and a bathrobe that haven't been washed in four months and fruit loops <laughs> in their hair. And, and it's kind of like, uh, no, no, I don't want to go there, but no, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, Sandy, where do you see the speaking industry going in say a year once we get beyond maybe the vaccine and get things straightened out? Well, I mean, obviously, I believe it's coming back. It's got to come back. We have got to find a way to, to live in this world with this virus, uh, just like we've found a way to live in this world with everything else. You know, when it comes along, yes, there's a period of adjustment, but then I believe the travel industry, the speaking industry, everything is going to come roaring back because there is this cabin fever that is building up out there, and they're going to find a way to do it. So I think that there is a great future in our industry. However, I do believe that the people who are setting up the multiple streams of income to be able to have what, we're, what we call passive income, like for me, it was almost all active income. I had to go somewhere, get on a plane or in a car, drive or fly somewhere, do my presentation in purpose, you know, on, in person, and then go to the next place. And so if I didn't work, I didn't earn. Well, I have been finding, a, trying to find a way for the passive income to increase a lot since then. And this, I believe, is where speakers need to look because you cannot continually rely only on, I have to do this in order to make money. You have to be able to set up recurring streams. So I think that's the future. And I believe the people who have given back at this time like your realtors, Pat, you know, if they go and they try to just serve their past clients, hey, is there anything you need? Is there, I love that suggestion. You don't even have to go try to sell them anything. I wasn't trying to sell when I was giving those webinars. 
but people are responding and now asking me, wow, can you come out and we want to pay you now because I gave first. We hear give back, I say give first. And I'll then, like yeah, you, you will receive, you don't give with the intention of getting, but when you just give from the heart because you wanna help, that's who's gonna really succeed the best first and then the others will follow. Then along with that, what about the administrative professionals that you talk about? How, what, how, what opportunities are there gonna be in the future for them? Is it gonna be more or less or what's gonna go and, and how can they provide value? Well, there are so many ways that they can provide value, but first of all, they have to understand that, yes, uh, everybody's saying, oh, administrative professionals, that you know, their jobs are going away, they're being taken over by robots. Okay, some of the low-level, repetitive, automatic you know, tasks are being taken over by robots. Big deal. You don't want to do that anyway. What you want to do is you want to serve at a higher level by using your brain. You, they have to think of themselves as executive partners. They are strategic partners helping their executives achieve their mission and goals. They have to find ways to talk to their leader in the leader's terms, connect their task administrative professionals. And I did it when I was one. We think about tasks and duties. We don't think about the benefits that we bring to the organization by the way we do things, the networks that we have, the intelligence, the diplomacy, the, all of the things that they do that free up the executives time to do their job the best. That's where they focus and they have to articulate that value in order for the leader to be able to recognize it and say, oh, you know, if you're a commodity and you're just pushing buttons and doing it and you don't have any value at all, well, in that case, you know, just get a cheaper, younger person in here, push the buttons, anyone will do. But I talk about being invaluable, not just indispensable. The position is indispensable, but who fills the position is the one who's invaluable. And when you're invaluable and you show the benefits you bring to the table by what you do and how you do it, then no one else will do. Wow. So, I, agree with wow. I wish you would have uh, been passionate with your response, but um, <laughs> that's okay. We can't always get what we want. I know. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish you would come out of your shell. I think you'd be. Uh, <laughs> next podcast, I promise. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sandy, uh, I mentioned your book before, and um, it's called Turn Your Workplace Into a Wow Place. We won't retitle it. Oh, Doc's got a copy of it yeah, already. Well, yes. Right here. Right here. Yay, you know, it's perfect. I, you. I put a link on, on Facebook already. I also put a link to your website. But uh, just give a, give a quick overview of your book and how important the concept is today as we go through this coronavirus. Yeah, I think that the book it has been already, uh, people have told me that <laughs> some of uh, my clients and my friends have told me that whenever they run into a, a difficult situation at work, they go to the book and they can find the answer on how to handle that because I give lots of stories. You'll see that there are boxes throughout the books that say case in point. When I'm talking about a, a particular point, I will give an example of what I mean for that. So maybe somebody can apply it to their position, but it's just basically five rules for being a wow leader. And yeah, see, there you go. And it's, it's awesome. And it's just, you know, a wow place is safe for people to contribute and make a difference. A wild place is respectful. A wild place is human. We can't be humanoids that we don't, that don't connect with anybody. Sitting up in our ivory towers, we have to connect. A wild place is innovative, creative, and, um, and then a wild place is rewarding in many, many ways. So that's the five rules. And my examples go with that on different stories and case studies and, and how you can actually connect with your employees at a higher level. Well, that's awesome. I encourage everyone to go out and buy the book, uh, like Doc already did. And um, Doc, uh, I know we're, our time's coming close to the end. Um, this has been great. As usual, you know, um, the time flies by. I, I, don't, I don't know how uh, on the news they get by with 30 second uh, interviews because this has been so fun and we could, we could talk all day. Um, but Doc, what... Um, we, we like to end this with a challenge. We started this with the idea of helping connect people and helping remind people that we're kind of, we are in this together. We're all going through this, but we like to leave with a challenge. Absolutely. I mean, just being around Sandy is a very positive challenge um, when people live their life according to wow instead of out. 
I, I love that phrase. You know, the, the wow is adding an extra W and um, not taking with what gives us. And, you know, we talk about disruptive thinking. Um, and, you know, our website is thinkingdisruptive.com. It's saying there is more. And what Sandy is talking about is dead on. It's, it's right in the middle of it. It's saying this is what we have to do. We have to adjust. We can't sit back. We can't have a, ready for this, Pat? Snow day. Um, <laughs> but, but instead, we got to think bigger and reach higher and do the impossible. To that end, I want to take part of what she said. I mean, it's hard to take off 45 minutes and just take one or two things. But to think bigger, don't think about your job you're doing. Think about the value you're providing. And then think how you can amp up that value, how you can provide more value, how you can reach out to customers when instead of just sitting there and you can say, okay, how can I provide more value? We've talked about that. Um, I, I, I have it on my business card. How can I help you? And it's like, that's where we need to be, especially during this time of uncertainty. We need to think bigger. And instead of sitting back and saying, yeah, but what about me? Nobody's doing it for me. Well, guess what? When you're doing it for somebody else, you're paying it forward. You're doing it first. And I like to say great things happen when good people work together. And be the good person. Don't be that one that sits back. So think bigger. Think value. Then reach higher. And then in the end, you'll end up doing what you never thought was possible. And that's what's fun. Thank you, Sandy, for being on. Um, maybe we'll get you back on here again in some time. It's always, always great to talk to good, energetic people that are doing good things. With Thank that, you. Pat, we'll see people back here on Thursday when we talk about three questions that'll change their world. And, and with that, shall we leave them with our with our virtual handshakes, which we is jazz handshake or the jazzy hands. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> folks. We'll Bye, see everybody. you back here on Thursday. Thank you. Thanks, Sandy. Bye. You can connect with us directly at totalcareergrowth.com. That's totalcareergrowth.com.